This episode of the Kill by Kill podcast is brought to you in part by Scream 6. That's right, you can buy Scream 6 on digital now. Ghostface is back and more terrifying than ever as his bloody rampage cuts to the core of the Big Apple. Melissa Barrera, Jenny Ortega, and Courtney Cox star in the sensational slasher hit Scream 6, directed by Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette. Plus, you get over an hour of killer bonus content when you buy Scream 6 on digital today. It's available at participating retailers and rated R. Of course, you know that Scream 6 is Kill by Kill approved, and we have a few select copies to give to our listeners. Just email us at killbykillpod at gmail.com. That's killbykillpod at gmail.com with Scream 6 in the subject line for your chance to grab a free digital code. And now, the body count continues. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Dying time is here. That's right, we're talking about Cocaine Bear for Animal Attacks April on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Blood Mountain. This is the Kill by Kill podcast where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of uh, 2023's Cocaine Bear in the hopes that a cocaine dealer's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person to trust to pull that knife out of my back already. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I thought you were going to say uh, uh, to try to rescue you in an ambulance from a rampaging bear. <laughs> I don't know that anyone can be rescued out of that ambulance. That is... Um, it's, uh, so a, it's so good. It's so good. It is the highlight. I, You know, let's... Um, and that's in the trailer, so it's not a huge spoiler. Not entirely. Or yeah. But uh, let's do a quick spoiler-free section here for those who haven't had the chance to see it yet, because it is a relatively new movie. I believe it came out in February. It's now on Peacock. It's available for you to watch at home if you didn't catch it in the theater. But just in case, if you need your appetite whetted, let's just have a quick spoiler-free thing, as we are wont to do here on the program. So what are your spoiler-free thoughts on the one, the only, Cooking Bear? You know what? I, I keep saying this to people talking about how, you know, it, it's getting somewhat negative reviews. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what people are complaining about because this movie, for, for being called Cocaine Bear, this movie has has an ample, ample amount of both cocaine and bear. Yes. So when, I'm not sure what people want from it. I think, well, writing the line between horror and comedy is this great, you know... It's a difficult uh, tightrope to walk, right? And everyone's, you know, the holy grail in this uh, is the stay tuned classic, An American Werewolf in London. And it's just really hard to do that. 
you have to come at it with a very specific attitude and have the right material for it. And for me, this is a real B to B plus effort in that. I think there's lots of funny characters. I think the stakes are very high. I think they peppered it with funny situations. I do think it gets a little bogged down in its second act where it becomes more of a crime movie than a cocaine bear movie. And that's where I think people get a little wonky on it, in my opinion, or they just don't cut into the humor. And there's just nothing you can do about that. Comedy is one of those things that a, a, a joke either appeals to you or it does not. And, you know, that is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, that that whole ambulance sequence, I've just had this, like, dumbest grin on my face the whole time. <laughs> right. It's It's just five full minutes of what I think this is really aiming for the entire time, which is a heightened Coen Brothers-esque romp with an animal attack movie. Uh, grafted onto it. Right. You've got, you've got this very cartoonish level gore where like, you know, someone like, you know, gets their, I, I guess he gets his hand clawed or something like that. And it's like kind of hanging off of his, his, his arm. And it's just and like uh, somebody else falls out of a uh, back of an ambulance and like skids down a highway on their face. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like one of yeah. those things. It's just, it's just comical. It is, it is Grand Guignol, you know, level of gore and an animal attack movie and a comedy with legitimate actors who are doing really funny work throughout this. And yeah, I don't know what necessarily people expected, whether they thought it would be ambulance chase level of comedy throughout the film. I think that's really hard to maintain. Um, Maybe it's the expectation level of you of setting your sights that high and just not letting that be a crescendo rather than, oh, this is the statement that the entire movie is going to be this because no movie can be that. That's that's just kind of wild to expect the entire film to be at that level of crazy. It's plenty crazy. It's got funny characters. It's got gore galore. And for me, it absolutely, it, while it was not a smash success, it's a success. This is a fun fucking time. It is a lot of fun. Um, and, and I think that if it, if it suffers anywhere for me is it's probably got a little too many characters. But yeah. by the same time, you know, so, you know, that's I feel that's kind of, you know, intentional in reflecting in, of disaster movies. Disaster yes. movies always have right. gigantic casts that you, you know, basically watch see get picked off one by one. Because I, I think the appeal here um, for all involved is that they want you to at least know a person before they get their face swiped off, which is a benefit. I think there's, <laughs> there's, there's a studying of the game in this film that I feel like, you know, you have writers and certainly Lord and Miller have a very specific tone that they're going for. And I think they pretty much achieve it. Results vary here and there, but I think they're delivering a very specific type of animal attack movie. And they really aim for that at all times with one major exception. And it works for me 
um, for the most part. And I think people are genuinely redeemed in this film in terms of my opinion of them maybe going into it and then my opinion of them coming out of it. I mean, my least, my favorite character in the movie, unfortunately, ultimately gets not a whole lot to do. And that's uh, Isaiah Washington's character. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because I do like when he is stuck on the gazebo and, and is trying to get down mm-hmm. and just see like, he's like, Oh, 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 <laughs> these little like, like noises he's making while he's trying to figure out how he's going to get <laughs> off the roof of this gazebo. I don't yeah. know why I just really related to that. And, and well, I, I won't give anything away, but, but I was, I, I wish his character had been given a little more to do. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite is um, Aaron Reich. I think he is. Oh yeah, he he and um, O'Shea Jackson. Yeah, um, yeah, they're in a, basically in a buddy, a, 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 like a buddy comedy. But don't you feel like at the core of this, this is Lord and Miller going. This is why we cast this guy as Han Solo. That he's funny. No, yeah, Let he's, him he's be very fucking de- funny. He's he's funny while being very deadpan, and yes. and it's yeah, it's it's and. You could still be charming at the same time. They just, they, they don't, I, I mourn for the movie that Solo could have been. It, it really kind of sucks. You know what? And everything that is wrong with Solo is not his fault. I, I think that he did the very best he could. I, I don't think that he did a bad job at acting. I think he was just fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he was just kind of, you know, push through a lot of scenes and not give it as much direction as he should have been given. No, they ordered a Lord and Miller comedy that would take place in the star Wars universe. And then the people in charge were like, but you can't do that to Han Solo, my beloved Han Solo. And you're like, but half the people are going to go and end up seeing this movie are going to be up in arms that Harrison Ford hasn't been put through a time machine and injected back into the film. So why worry about what Han Solo becomes in another fucking movie? They just couldn't get past that. And they shit can the entire effort and just made an okay Star Wars movie after that. I think it's more okay than a complete tragedy. It's just that, they fucked over what could have been a transcendent experience and something really elevated and interesting. And they made an uninteresting don't rock the boat movie. And it suffered from those, from those circumstances and everything they've done around with the exception of solo has been heightening ludicrous ideas. There's no reason that 21 jump street should work. There's no reason that cloudy with a chance of meatballs should work. There's no reason that Lego movie should work. And you just have to trust the process at a certain point that they take properties that have no business being funny movies and make funny movies out of them. Uh, and they just, they, they got really fucking panicked and they walked away from it and it suffers as a result. Right. No, I agree. And I think that this is, again, if you are, I don't want to say you got to lower your expectations for a movie like this, mm-hmm. but this is definitely one of those movies that reminds me that it doesn't take a lot for me to be entertained. Right. <laughs> and, and, and maybe that makes me a, 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 
a bad film critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if I come away from a movie thinking, yeah, that, that was that was a fun movie. Yeah, you know, was it yeah. was it was it an Oscar winner? No. <laughs> you know, was it, you know, you know, will I remember much of this movie a year from now? Probably not. Yeah. But, you know, did I have a good time watching? Absolutely. And and I really don't think you could ask for more than that for a movie called Cocaine Bear. The world needs programmers. Not every movie is an event. Some movies are just fun fucking movies. And the world needs that. Right. We, we cannot avoid it. And Not everything has to be capital I important. Exactly. Whether that importance is this is going to win an Oscar or that importance is this is the thing you've always dreamed of happening from your childhood. He-Man is now living and breathing and walking around or whatever the fuck. Like, they always put the importance on this has to be an event. And I just, that's it has not to be, what all it, movies are. It has to be, you know, even more important that it has to be something that maybe can turn into a franchise. And I'm just yeah. like, come on, man, give me a break. Jesus you know, it, it, yeah, it makes me, it makes me honestly miss. And I hate to go into that, you know, masturbatory, you know, oh, my childhood, our childhood, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But I do miss those kind of mid-level you, you, you movies that you know, weren't Ghostbusters, but weren't entirely flops either. Right. Yeah. But like they would be on cable like every other minute that this would be, this would be, this would be, you know, Beastmaster level on HBO <laughs> where, you know, no matter what time of day you turn it on, it's, you know, it's like, Hey, cocaine bears on. Yeah, exactly. I, cocaine bear is a fun movie at the end of the day. It's capital F fun. And um, I think Banks does a pretty good job of really finding a tone and maintaining it throughout. There's a real, you know, fifth grade dick joke, you know, thread that goes through it at all. And it feels genuine. It doesn't feel like a put on. And, uh, you know, let's get into some of the details and, um, and there's not much of a plot in this movie. <laughs> no, but I, a bear takes cocaine and then like, eats a lot of people. Eats a lot of people um, is what it comes down to. Um, you know, it, it, quote unquote, based on a true story in that they, they can claim that. Um, yeah, the, the, obviously, the, I, mean, I mean, it's been already established that the, the actual story is that the bear ate cocaine and died immediately. Right. <laughs> It's not, it's, it's, not a a far, it's a far less fun story. Yeah, it's not as cool. But um, where I feel the movie, now we're going into spoiler territory, everybody. So you can pause it here and then, um, you know, download the, you, the you episode over You can probably figure out what happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if, if you're at this point, like, I don't know, do I need to know the plot details? Everything I'm going to tell you, it worked It worked for me the second time I watched it, too. So I saw this in a theater. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I watched it at home. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so we begin at the beginning. What a wonderful place to start uh, with a man named Thornton, who is our main uh, transatlantic smuggler. Um, he is dumping cocaine out of an airplane to the tune of Jane by Jefferson Starship. Such a jam. It is a jam. And I was like, is this the only Jefferson Starship song I genuinely like? I know other Jefferson Starship songs, but I don't really enjoy when they come on the radio. This is a jam. It is. 
Um, he's dumping duffel bags of coke out of a plane. And what I believe is, I think the most believable death in the entire movie, he gets all the duffel bags out, straps on a parachute, prepares to jump out, cracks his head open, <laughs> exiting the plane, and just falls to his death. That's how, that's how, that's how I would go. I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't yes. even be able to get eaten by a bear. I would just do something like that. No, I, I wholeheartedly believe that this is more the most likely way I would die if I somehow convinced myself that I should go parachuting. Um, and of course, it, it does kind of help that he's a famous star. You don't expect the other star's husband to show up in this with a mustache. Um, but it's just nice to see them in wigs. It's just nice to see them in wigs again after so many seasons of The Americans. <laughs> Uh, but cut to the following morning uh, where Olaf and his fiance Elsa, which I have to believe is yet another inside joke here, uh, are hiking in the trails along Blood Mountain. Appropriately they're, named. They're planning a wedding. And as what is was there a detail in, in, in your wedding that was a stickler? Like you felt like if I don't get this right, bad things are going to happen. Well, I might, uh, my marriage to my ex-husband, I had a very overbearing mother-in-law. So the whole experience was, was that basically just, just, Mm -hmm. uh, every little detail had to be negotiated and, and, you know, had to have, we we, we had to have like, you know, head to head meetings and everything. So that, that kind of, you know, over your overarching stress was there for the entire thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I felt this. Um, I knew for a fact that we were going to have to get married in Wisconsin simply because, well, my parents weren't going to contribute anything. Well, th- th- there was drama. And I, I just knew we were going to end up getting married in Wisconsin. And on top of that, married in Wisconsin in August. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be sweating so hard. There's just... There's a level of humidity that I know my body cannot overcome. It cannot regulate within. It has to simply expel moisture through every pore of my body, from the (laughs) tippity top of my head to the bottom of my feet. It becomes a human swamp machine, and that I I dreaded. And then wonderfully, it it was like 77 and 50% humidity for no particular reason. It was just a lovely fucking day. So that all turned out well. Plus, I was able to feed people who had never had cheese, fried cheese curds, fried cheese curds. And when they ate them and they're like, oh, my God, I get it. I get Wisconsin now. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. Did, um, did you give out Did you give out souvenir Patrick and Becky cheese head hats? Uh, we did not. We did not have enough money for that. The, the souvenirs were memories that people would take home. <laughs> precious precious memories precious (laughs) precious mental images um so uh in for poor orloff and elsa this this thing that they're going they're constantly debating about it's the fact that olaf has been chosen to the one detail that he gets to decide upon is who will be the band and he's decided his brother's band will play at their reception and elsa's like yeah but they suck and he has to acknowledge that they kind of do. And that to me, and the fact that he can process that and not hold that against her in any way, shape or form tells me the kind of person that Olaf is and that their relationship is pretty much built on trust. (laughs) 
it's a, they're doomed from the start. Yeah, you know, there's no way a healthy, trusting couple who can hike together in the mountain regions with just a map and a compass. There's no way they're going to live through a movie called Cocaine Bear. Um, and so they are at the Overlook uh, in the middle of nowhere, and they happen to spy this bear rubbing itself up against a tree. And when Olaf spy, you know, gets a camera out to take pictures, he notices that this bear is beating its own head against a tree. And I think this exposes one of the elements of Cocaine Bear that you're either going to be on board for or not. And that is, this is a 100% computer-generated bear. He's never going to look real. He's never going to look perfect. He's never even really going to look good. But there's no fucking way you could do this with a real bear. So what is the fucking discussion here? There's no way you could put a real bear in these situations and have it actually do any of the things you need it to do. It's always going to be a computer bear. So my suggestion to everybody is touch grass. That's what this is. It's a computer bear, baby. Yeah, you. I mean, the the bear disembowels people. It, it yeah. you know, swats people's hands off. You you can't have a a real bear that close to a person. You just can't. You you cannot. And the, like we just a week ago, we were talking about Day of the Animals, and you have Leslie Nielsen and his stunt double basically doing a slow dance with the bear. And that's as good as it's ever going to get. Like Grizzly uses a puppet and a real bear that doesn't get near anybody. You just can't fucking do it with a real bear. So it's going to be a cartoon. Roll with it. All of this is made up. You came to a movie. You did not come to a documentary. Yeah, that's well, you know, we're not, we're not going to get into, uh, you know, how people, you know, now view movies on social media mm-hmm, and you know, mm-hmm. how you know, it requires apparently that you bring a fine tooth comb with you right? to, to, you know, pick at it. Like, like, you know, you like, you're picking nits out of a, out of a second grader's hair mm-hmm. that like, you know, everything that's, you know, quote unquote wrong with it. And it makes people incapable of enjoying a movie for just what it is anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's infuriating to me. It is absolutely infuriating. I agree. Uh, there's just really no point to it. I just simply wanted to address it because if you're like, I just don't, I can't get into it. If it's a fucking CGI bear, then don't watch it. <laughs> right. And, but you know, if, if it was, a, if it was a, a situation where the bear and the person was never on street at the same time, they'd be bitching about that too. Yes, absolutely. Or that they, they, you could never fully realize, you know, the, the demented levels that this bear gets up to. Um, when we finally see this bear in full, uh, there are two things we learn about cocaine bear. She's quote unquote demented, uh, according to Elsa. And also she's lactating. So good for her. She's doing this on the go. She's a working mom. She's a crunchy bear mom. <laughs> yes. Breast is uh, best. Yes. And despite Olaf's mantra that if it's a brown bear, you run as black bear, you, st- you stand your ground. Elsa immediately runs for the hills. And so all he can do is just like try to keep up with her. Uh, Sadly, this philosophy does not work out for Elsa. And she's torn apart by cocaine bear and loses a leg in the tussle. The leg flops right in front of the screen. (laughs) Gore just pouring out of it. And you know, like this is what this movie is going to be. 
people are going to be torn apart by a CGI bear. You're either into it or you are not. I have uh, two questions for you. Sure. Uh, you mentioned the brown bear and black bear thing. Yes. Uh, I'm going to assume that in the in the the, the, the wilds of Southern California, uh-huh. uh, bears are not really a uh, a frequent issue. But you being an Eagle Scout, were you mm-hmm. taught about like proper you know bear resistance techniques? Yes, and very specifically by my father, who did not grow up here. He grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Oh, so he probably he probably like passed bears just going to school in the morning or something. Yeah, he he was just full of fucking bear stories. Like I have a really well earned fear of bears, based on the stories he would tell me, which included, oh, my friend from fourth grade got you know torn apart. <laughs> you oh know, my god, <laughs> Jimmy down the street, you know, was disemboweled by this grizzly because he dealt with grizzlies. Like, um, he tells a one particularly famous story in which he's going to his car and he had this like zippy little race car and uh, he goes up to, and he can kind of feel like he senses someone behind him, but he's not quite sure. And he's because of how low the car was, he had to bend down to put his key into it to pop the door open. So his legs are straight and the grizzly behind him pops the back of his knee. And as just a reflux, it just like bends real fast and he dented his car. Oh, That's how God. much his, his leg popped. But because of that noise, the grizzly ran the other way. Yikes. You can you can tell, like, I can recite that story very easily. I don't need to prepare it. It's not in my notes. It, it's it living just, in the hard drive of my brain. It's it hasn't lingered been there forever yeah. and ever. And my other question is, and, and before I ask, I, I will tell you I am not a cop. Mm-hmm. So you can tell me whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried cocaine? Yes. You have? Yes, I have. Okay. I have, um, I have not because, mostly because, remember uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Sure, yeah. Remember, yes. like, how he would react when someone would do the uh, shave and a haircut knock? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. am pretty sure that that's how it would be on cocaine, and I don't think anybody wants to see that. <laughs> Here's the thing about me. I, uh, obviously every long time listeners will know that I grew up Mormon. So I didn't really indulge in drugs and alcohol for a good 25 years of my life. Started with beer, went to alcohol. And then during the opening of the aforementioned Universal Studios Osaka, I was hanging out with a crew, um, who were opening up the, uh, a restaurant on the uh, on the city walk that leads to the front gates, uh, a restaurant that will go unnamed. Um, but uh, a part of this restaurant was that one of the owners was there and he always flew everywhere with a case of his own wine. And the reason he did this was because he could hide cocaine. In it. <laughs> so yes, I did cocaine before I smoked uh, any weed. I just wow. I went directly to, well, I thought I was going to get laid that night. And guess what? I did not. I got <laughs> laid two nights after. But it, some of it was due to the fact that that I thought I was going to get laid when I did cocaine in that bathroom. So, um, yeah, it did keep me up. I, it was a very long night. Uh, and the next morning, I was late to the opening of the fucking theme park. That's which, right. The, which, the, which is the sole purpose of why you were there. 
Yes, that's what I'd spent the previous <laughs> nearly two years working towards. But you know what? I prepared everybody. It was fine. It, you know, no show occurred until 10 a.m. Everything's fine. Um, but yeah, my my head uh, felt a, a kind of way. That's for damn sure. Um. So yes, that's my cocaine story. <laughs> Okay. Your bear story and your cocaine story appropriate for it. Yeah. I mean, I've been bear. around cocaine a whole bunch of times, but it's not something I've ever felt the need to go back to. It's not a, uh, weed is right in my lane. Like, uh, I don't have to worry about forgetting about things because I smoked too much weed because I was already forgetting things before I even started. So it's fine. <laughs> Everything's cool, baby. <laughs> it's like, what brain, what brain is it there is left for it to rot? I mean, really, True. come on. <laughs> what am I saving it for? Like, what am I, what do I really need to remember when I'm 85? So um, we cut to, at this point, Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, where Thornton's body's landed with a thud on somebody's driveway. They, uh, because this is a universal movie, they are able to use NBC nightly news footage of this actual incident. And uh, this is where we meet Detective Bob Springs and Officer Reba Mitchell. Um, and Bob instantly suspects that Thornton was running coke for a Missouri gangster named Sid White, played by the late great Ray Liotta, wearing a Charlie's Angels wig. Yeah, uh, his this is his final role. Yes. Uh, he he. When he is last seen in the movie, he's being disemboweled by bear cubs, yes. and and honestly, I think he would want it that way. This is the way he would want to be remembered. I mean, he's fully committed to this particular role. He's perfect for it. This is a a, a plus use of Ray Liotta. So honestly, he's in a movie. Movie. He's wearing a ludicrous fucking hairpiece on top of his head. And he looks like a person who would be a member of the quote unquote bluegrass conspiracy, which is also <laughs> the name of my band in high school. Um, yeah, that's some A plus casting right there. Truly. I mean, it's the right person for the right job. Um, we also learned that Detective Bob has been saddled with a small dog that he was pretty much convinced was going to be a large dog. He's very unsure about his relationship with this new dog that he has adopted and makes several calls throughout it to both check in on it and kind of hope that it's run away or someone else wants it. <laughs> um, we then cut to St. Louis, Missouri proper where uh, a man named David um, uh, meets with Sid uh, to discuss uh, Thornton's disappearance and the fact that Sid's son, Eddie, is in a grief spiral over the death of his wife. And this has saddled Sid with his grandson, Gabe, and he is not happy about it. He is a cocaine dealer by trade, not so much a doting grandfather. No. And I, the elements of this that you get about uh, David is that he's he's very put together. Right. He has brand new Air Jordans. He has very spiffy whites that he's wearing. He's not the person you would necessarily send on a hiking trip to pick up loose cocaine bales. No, I, I feel like that's somebody you want. You want your best man for that. Yes. And I think David is Sid's best man in many, many respects. It's just that this one particular assignment is slightly outside of his skill set. Yes. Um, I, do know, I don't know where this is, but I guess Sid owns this. It's like a cover business. 
and it appears to be a Chuck E. Cheese knockoff that has these it has these benches, round benches for people to sit at. But the stools are crappy looking toadstools. <laughs> but it's also connected to a leprechaun as their main attraction, as like their logo, as it were. And I I just don't do leprechauns and toadstools go together as as themes? I mean, I guess so. I, I definitely have seen like, you know, images of leprechauns sitting on toadstools. They're, they're all very yeah. small. So they're they're very low. <laughs> like yeah. they're obviously meant for small I mean, unless, children. unless they're confusing with Smurfs, I don't know. <laughs> Smurfs are definitely more associated with uh mushrooms and toadstools because they use them as houses and what I can only assume bars and brothels. I I don't know all the details of Smurfs. <laughs> But I are, you, constantly are, are, are you saying that the the, the 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 Smurfs engaged in sex trafficking? I know for a fact that Smurfs engage in sex trafficking. How can there be so many Smurfs? And, and they don't need uh, the one girl Smurf because there's plenty of fucking Smurfs before that. So they're either just fucking and creating more Smurfs uh, without sort of a gender attachment to it. Males can give birth to other Smurfs, like like seahorses, <laughs> like seahorses. Yeah, sure. Or they, or they may just, uh, you know, they they may just re- reproduce by you know a little piece of them breaks off, drips away to, you know, a field, and and, yeah. and a new a new Smurf is born. Exactly. I mean, they they uh, they all come with hats, but they don't all come with the same clothes. All, any clothes item they have has to do with their very specific personality. I just, they're fucking. You, you can just tell. Smurfs be fucking. This is probably, it's, it's probably good that, that neither of us regularly use cocaine. <laughs> or I mean, maybe we should regularly Or maybe we should. Cocaine. Maybe we're great at it. We just don't know. <laughs> we haven't reached our full potential. That's <laughs> true. Well, you know what? There's always the future. So um, now we cut to Carrie Russell, uh, who's playing a mom named Sari? Sherry? Sari, I think. She's basically just like tracksuit mom. She is playing, she has an accent here that I'm dubbing serious mom. Like, this is the thing about Carrie Russell. She has developed over time. Uh, she has very much strived to be taken as a serious actress as she should. And she's very, very good at it. But it, she also brings that, like, I need to be serious about this to cocaine bear, but only in the sense that she has to nail this one specific accent or it's just not going to be right. Yeah. She's, uh, for whatever reason, she's playing everything very straight. Yes. And I I think the movie does kind of need one person to take things seriously. And she is straddled and will come to understand, you know, well, we're in spoilers. Her kid's going to be lost in the fucking forest. That is serious. When she's not in that situation, she's also the kind of mom who puts ice in her Chardonnay. So, like, you, you get a lot of information about her very quickly. Yes, exactly. Uh, her daughter, Dee Dee, is um, at that tweens level of sarcasm 24-7. Just hard, I don't take anything you say seriously level of tween. Something I know nothing about, Jaina. Of course not. Of course not. 
I mean, listen, I'm not going to complain about our child, but let's just say just in the last six months, the level of tween has, we have been turning that knob, not me in particular, him, his hand on the dial. And uh, this one goes to 11. His might go to 13 or 14. <laughs> just just sneering at you and everything you love. Yes. Yes, but also would like to participate in everything that we love. So it's a it's a push me pull you relationship. Um, but we learn through her in, uh, uh, Sari's interaction with her, her daughter Didi that uh, Didi doesn't care for Sari's boyfriend, who's a pediatrician with a band. So my question to you is, which band do you think, based on no information other than their mere existence, which band sucks more? The pediatrician's band or Olaf's brother's band? <sighs> you know what? I, I think that by default, you know, a band that that is, you know, playing wedding receptions is probably going to be pretty lousy. Yeah. Yes. But the other thing is the pediatrician's band is in Nashville. So they're playing early 80s country, Ooh. which is... Yeah. amongst the worst country that has ever existed in terms of music. So they're, so they're playing a lot of like Kenny Rogers. Yes. You know, that they probably have a, they probably have a, a you know, a, a, a cover of looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh, and that brings the house down a yes, little bit. A of devil went Eddie down. Rabbit. To, little, little devil went down to Georgia. Elvira. You know, that's <laughs> happening at some point. Ugh, God, my gang used to listen to it. Um, because he uh, at the time owned a uh, recycling company, and we would I would be forced as child labor to go to these schools on Saturdays and load up trucks of uh, empty cans and newspapers as part of this recycling thing. And oh my god, the amount of Elvira I listened to, I take this job. And I just fuck, it. it's terrible, terrible <laughs> shit. It really is. At least what was being broadcast on the radio in Los Angeles. Maybe it was better in Alabama. Fuck if I know. Um, Dee Dee's a bit of a music head herself as uh, we get to see a teenager's bedroom. This is everything we want. So on her walls, we get uh, to see posters for Adam Ant, Depeche Mode, Madonna, Cindy Lauper, Billy Idol, and best of all, a poster of a teen Jason Bateman Holding a fucking football? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I would have been a, maybe a, like a tap older mm -hmm. than Dee Dee when this movie takes place. Not much. And that, that sounds pretty close to what I would yeah. have had on my bedroom walls. Well, with the, the time. I mean, I do feel like Depeche Moon is the one thing that's kind of out of step with that because I don't really believe they weren't getting they weren't getting a lot of they weren't getting a lot no. of radio play like maybe like maybe like modern rock radio but not pop radio you definitely yes. had to have mtv to to get your exposure to depeche mode back then and and even then i don't think just can't get enough really breaks through here in the states the way it does in the uk it's just one of those things that crept in a little bit later than this eh, fine it's fine it's fucking fine i don't come to cocaine bear for realism even if it is based on an interesting <laughs> i come for That's cocaine right. and bear yeah, those are the two things we're looking for so uh then we um meet uh, eddie uh the aforementioned eddie who's played by alden Allreich, and um he has memorialized his dead wife 
on a tattoo on his chest, only they've misspelled Joan as John. And he can't change it for seven days. <laughs> so it's seven days of John. Um, and I've made my case for Alton Aaron right here. I think this is a fucking brilliant, brilliant performance. He is going super, super sad, but making it funny. Like the pain is there. Right. He's, he's got, he's like, everybody has that, you know, you spending an evening with a friend who's just broken up with their, their partner and they're just morose and like everything, you know, you know, reminds them of the person they just broken up with. And you want to be there for them at the same time that they get like really <laughs> aggravating at the same time. Um, but one of my favorite things is when Odette Jackson um, uh, is asked him because he's the whole time he's been like, can I order food? Can I order food everywhere he's going? He knows he's got to pick up Eddie, but Eddie is eating pasta and he orders it from the bar and goes, uh, is there a chicken at that? Aaron Allerick is like, no man, it's plain. It's just fucking perfect. (laughs) It's just really good. It's just in the pocket. Yeah, they were they were going to franchise this into a a comedy with them, and they could because miraculously they both Mm -hmm. make it to the end of the movie. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'd be there for it. You know, they don't have to make like six of them, but, but, but you know, if there's another one, I, I think they're very funny and both very watchable. And if I was a person looking for a pair that can play off of one another, I would look to them immediately and just put them in a different property too. Cause they just have chemistry with one another. They're diametrically opposed physically um, with Jackson being a rather imposing figure and Aaron Allreich being this slight elf of a man. And yet it just, it just, whatever it is, it just works. Conversely, the next character we meet is also a fucking banger. And you want to know why? It's because Margot Martindale is in this fucking movie. Char- character actor Margot Martindale. I mean, if you want a ringer on the face of this planet Earth, Margot Martindale is pretty much the best you're ever going to get. Have you ever, have you ever seen a movie called blow the man down? No, she is the, it's a, it's like an indie crime thriller. Is this like a fishing movie where like there's, there's fishing involved in it and someone, they do work. It is, it is, it does take place in a fishing. Okay. I definitely have seen the trailer. She is, she's the villain in it. And, and she is, it's so good. I, I highly, the, the, the movie really fell under the radar. Cause I think it kind of came out around, uh, in 2020, yeah. kind of got lost in the shuffle, sure. but if you get a chance, watch it. Cause she is incredible in it. Yes. I, I, I believe it because she's fucking amazing in everything that she does here. She's playing a rather lovelorn ranger named Liz. Um, who can be easily distracted if you just pay her a compliment. Um, her beloved, the the man that she is fixated on, is the thing that she, that's going to elevate her out of her humdrum existence on Blood Mountain is played by Jesse Tyler Ferguson wearing a different Charlie's Angels wig. Yeah, it's some sort of long hair mullet, but not quite kind of thing. Yeah, it's a it's a shag do, I I suppose. Something that that is long enough to envelop his uh, his love of the environment, but not so long as to communicate that he's a hesher. Yes, exactly. The gang of pubes is our other set of characters. <laughs> 
three. <laughs> they're kind of teenagers, but, but but yeah, no, they're they're quite. long in the tooth for teenagers. They feel like meth burnouts who are in their mid twenties who would, are referred to as kids because they've never done anything that would ever uh, have any connection to adulthood. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, the gang of pubes is constantly trying to steal from the ranger station. Um, and, uh, sorry comes into it in the middle of what should be Liz opportunity to hop on the face of Jesse Tyler Ferguson and just smother him in love. Um, but she has a messing child. And so Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who is oblivious to the fact that Margo Martindale is actually in love with him says, of course, I will take you to where the falls are and I will do my ecological study along the way and everything will be fine. Much to Margot's um, eternal uh, hatred while they leave the gang of pubes attack David, who has just arrived and needs to take a piss. And we get uh, a long se- sequence in which Jackson beats the holy hell out of three guys. Yes. And it's, pretty well done like you can tell that david is not someone who can be surprised to to easily he can obviously take care of himself these three dipshits are either too high or too stupid to know that this is not a person they should fuck with and unfortunately david uh earns his first injury of many in this film when he uh, discovers that there's a knife stuck in his back after he's beaten the holy hell out of these three (laughs) I mean, you know, who amongst us after a hard night hasn't like, oh, there's a knife back there. Yeah. Well, you know, you wake up in weird places. It makes sense. Um, So uh, now that Eddie wanders in, is like, what the fuck did you do? He's like, I, this was not something I decided to do. Please help me with the, the knife in my back. They take off um up the trail or at least start their journey. Uh, when they discover that one of the gang of pubes, the aforementioned kid, um, actually knows where at least one duffel bag of cocaine is. So they decide they're just going to force him to uh, show them where where this at least one duffel bag is so they don't come back empty-handed. They take off up a different trail um, towards uh, Gazebo, and this is when Detective Bob arrives he uh, shuts his tiny dog inside his car, which to me is a bad idea. He doesn't even crack a window. And he takes off up a different side of the trail up Blood Mountain. Um, and during all of this, we learn that Dee Dee and her friend Henry have also taken up to the trail. But they've skipped school because Dee Dee would like to, quote unquote, paint the fountain, which is when you just throw paint <laughs> into the into the into the falls and uh, i that must be fun i don't I, that's i don't quite get that whatever it is she wants to do it and she doesn't care that her mother doesn't want to so she's going to drag her friend henry up there they try cocaine by putting it in their mouth which is a very 13 year old thing to do because you have zero you've never you know what cocaine is by name but you have no idea how it actually works. Well, you always see, also see that like thing on like, you know, they used to do on Miami Vice where they would like test the cocaine. Exactly. Yes. Put a little in your gum. And if it numbs your gum, then uh, you know that it's real. Of course, um, many an undercover cop will tell you that actually doesn't work. 
there are many numbing agents. So that's not a real great way to test cocaine. Um, so there, <laughs> there's a thing that I know. I don't know why, but I do. Um, and uh, by the time Ranger Liz and Peter and Sari get up to where the kids were, Dee Dee has been dragged off by a cocaine bear. We'll meet her later. And Henry has treed himself. Um, and this is where Ranger Liz, unfortunately, takes a rather nasty gash to the ass. Yes. And we get a lot of Jaws-esque sequences where people are spread out and you can't see where the bear is because of underbrush. Um, Ranger Liz is not shy about firing her firearm. And when she realizes that she's not going to be able to shoot this bear dead, she makes a run for it, leaving Peter and Sari and Henry behind. (laughs) Yeah, she's certainly not in love anymore. No, well, there's love, but there's also a line in which I'm not going to die for you. (laughs) Pretty much comes across like, listen, you had your time, but now that I, now that three giant gashes have been placed in my ass, it's time to take care of number one. So she takes off much to everyone else's dismay. Uh, Peter trees himself in a different tree. Uh, He's got a bloody ankle, so he's been swiped at some point. And Henry looks across. And for whatever reason, everyone keeps blaming the kids for, like, giving the bear cocaine as if that would be something they would know how to do. And um, Henry goes, well, at least we're up trees because... Bears can't climb. And Peter goes, oh, of course they can climb. And immediately the bear starts climbing up towards him. (laughs) The only thing that saves him is that Peter has fallen on his face in a mound of cocaine searching around for an exit route. And once the bear gets a sniff of the cocaine on Peter, he goes, well, I don't care about Henry and takes off and goes from one tree to the next and manages to chomp peter's leg full off before he falls to the ground breaking his neck i mean honestly also that would also probably be how it would go the fun uh denouement to that of course is that the bear does a line of cocaine off of peter's um you know (laughs) separated leg snorts it snorts it like 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 slash snorting coke off a hooker's ass this is where i kind of want to shout out uh a an element of this movie that is not getting nearly enough praise. And that is the soundtrack by Mark Mothersbaugh. Um, Of course, uh, the leader of Devo, he has been making um, movie soundtracks uh, for quite some time now. Um, And obviously he's a person you go to if you want that eighties synth sparkle, but he also layers in direct Godzilla flick motifs into it. And it fits like a glove. Like it's a great, great score. Yeah. Ranger Liz makes her way back to the office where she finds the other two thirds of the gang of pubes who have been (laughs) recovering from their concussions of having their heads beaten against toilets. And, um, once she discovers that they have not only been uh, sitting in there waiting for an ambulance to arrive, They've also robbed her. She immediately yanks out that gun because she's fucking had it. And she yells, I would have been working at Yellowstone if it wasn't for you shits. And it's genuine. You can feel that resentment. (laughs) She's bloodied from a bear attack. They're bloodied from David, but neither really knows that they're talking about two separate things. 
So uh, when they hear something outside, she instructs one of the guys to open up a door so she can shoot their attacker. Um, when they open up the door, the one of the guy who's who's opened it sees the cocaine bear and is like, what? And leans his head into the shot and she ends up shooting him through the back of the head. Yeah, that's a, that's like probably like the most startling like like death in the movie. <laughs> yes, because it's completely unexpected. It comes out of nowhere and it's simply because someone's like was expecting to it's the farce element of cocaine bear that that weaves its way in and the the movie is is cooking with gas at this point. Um they managed to get the door closed. They hear the bear roaming around. Um, and um, once the door is closed, the, the third pube, pube number three, puts his back up against it, hoping that he can uh, that he can put enough pressure on there that the, the bear will not be able to make entry. And the bear just reaches through the door's window and takes his head off, making this death. A hashtag get bunked. That is a get bunked. It absolutely is a get bunked. Yes. It's lovely when you see it and it's organic. You know, I didn't go in expecting it. It just happens. Now, later on, someone discovers that head in a bucket. And uh, how did the bear get that, that, that head in a bucket, Gina? <laughs> I mean, I just assumed that, that it just dropped the head and it just happened to fall into a bucket. I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder if that bear is related to anyone in the Voorhees family, because that's a, a very stagey uh, head reveal that I just don't think a bear could actually do. Again, we do not come to cocaine bear for realism, but that might be pushing it, even though I enjoy it when it happens. <laughs> Speaking of Friday the 13th, we get some first responders straight out of the Crystal Lake playbook. But not perverts. Uh, They're not perverts. Not perverts. Just uninterested in their jobs level ambulance drivers. We get uh, uh, Tom, played by TikTok sarcasm dispenser Scott Sice, and Beth, who is resplendent in blue eyeshadow. Um, Bob gets trapped underneath a door at one point as Beth is trying to get Ranger Liz out uh, and the cocaine bears on top of that door. And even though Beth can see, that Tom is very trapped. She still yells, get up. Like you're not helping. It's <laughs> a lot of, a lot of comical incompetence in this movie. It's kind of genius. I mean, the level the, the movie is working at, at this point is so high. It's so delirious, gassed up on its own juice that by the time Depeche Mode's just can't get enough, it comes on the radio as they're trying to make their escape. It's just on a lunacy level that this is what you want out of this movie. This is truly, as we you know denoted earlier, like it is a real high point of the motion picture. This is what you're coming to see. And Elizabeth Banks absolutely gives the audience what they want. The, the, the bear launches itself into, into the ambulance. I, I yes. don't know how you just can't like cackle with glee at that. Yeah. And the fact that he launches himself into the ambulance manages to unhinge the, the now strapped in Liz, who's, you know, in one of those stretchers on wheels. So of course she flies the fuck out 
it immediately tips over and grinds her face into the road, which the movie shows you. Yeah. Like this is, this is what you came to see. And the movie is absolutely going to deliver on this. Uh, you know, Tom tries his best to make himself unavailable for getting at, uh, it doesn't work out so well for him. And the cocaine bear ends up eating out the back of his skull with a, with a very healthy crunch. <laughs> and once uh, Beth realizes this, she's no longer paying attention. She's driving so fast and so furious. She ends up uh, careening directly into a tree. And of course, she did not put on a seatbelt. So she goes right through that windshield, defenestrating herself. Once again, making this a kill-by-kill kill classic. What do we like? Get bunked defenestration it's got it all if someone lit themselves on fire and walked this would be an a plus and and if if, if someone was in a wheelchair and got hit by a bear the, exactly well the the stretcher on wheels yeah, that counts is that counts practically that yeah that counts that that counts so like it's giving it's like genetically predisposed for us to like it there's a lot going for it here yes um good news cocaine bear is fine does not seem to be rattled by the fact that it's in a car wreck. Just like it's another fucking day. Um, and this is where for me, I have a little bit of trouble. It's not the, the sequence in which detective Bob gets up on the roof. It's the sort of standoff that happens around it. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of slow sink. That feels like it comes out of a different mood, comes from a different movie. And it, it feels like a bit of a old fashioned stretch. Yeah. Because there's a little comedy sequence in which the bear passes out on top of Eddie. And it's a lot of reaction shots to uh, a CGI bear and, you know, negotiations and, you know, standoffs with guns and David gets shot through the hand. It just, it does kind of feel like it just halts for this serious crime drama stuff, which is not what I signed up for. I know why it has to happen. And these are funny and interesting actors in which it happens around. It's just, it's where I sort of dip interest wise in this motion, motion picture. Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. Um, you know, that they had about an hour and 15 minutes of movie, a, a very entertaining yeah. movie, but needed to tack on maybe another 15 minutes. Yes. And I don't, I just don't think the, vocal fire you know the script fireworks the lines that are being given to everyone make the level of what it needs to get at and, and it also it's just coming down after the ambulance sequence like that high is so high whatever comes after it you know there's going to be some you know re-table setting as it were and this is one of those things where just you know it all kind of has to happen but I don't know that I necessarily agree it has to happen like this. Unfortunately, your favorite detective, Bob, uh, does not make it out of this situation. At least not that we see. Um, he's shot through the gut by Sid, who's uh, shown up. And um, even worse, uh, when Detective Bob thinks he's been rescued by his uh, old friend, Reba. Uh, nope, she's on Sid's payroll. And uh, so she's not there to rescue him. Yeah, that kind of lost me a little bit, too. I think because we didn't really spend enough time with I know. And I know I said that this movie has a lot of characters, but mm -hmm. with Reba, the, the reveal that she is working for Sid, it just kind of 
Yeah. All right. Yeah. Like, and it comes to nothing. Yeah, because I, I yeah, it, it, it. it seems like she feels kind of guilty about it. Um, yeah. So, like, but at the same time, we really don't spend a lot of time with her as a character. So it isn't like yeah. it doesn't feel like a bait and switch on the audience because we know nothing about her anyway. Um, meanwhile, with uh, Sari and Henry, um, they follow the trail that Dee Dee has left for them with things out of her backpack and she's spread paint. She's leaving a trail of breadcrumbs. They come across Olaf who's managed to survive his encounter with the cocaine bear. And they ask, do you know where the bear is? And he goes, no, but I know where it lives. Um, and so he takes them to the bear's den and he decides to stay outside, which is a bad idea for him uh, because we later learn that his entire face has been ripped off by cocaine bear. You know, that's, that's how you go. Face ripped off. <laughs> Specifically how you Yeah, I mean, your, your, your a, family doesn't have to, doesn't have to pay for, uh, you know, the Undertaker to, 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 you know, to lay you out. I do wonder when this comes out on, on Blu-ray and whatnot, if we're going to get an unrated cut that actually has the face ripping off sequence, because uh, according to Elizabeth Banks, they actually filmed it and it got, it, the movie was going to get an X if they kept it in. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So um, she's like, I really wanted to do physical effects. I wanted to have gore, practical gore. And the nice thing about it is it looks great. And the bad thing about it, it looks so great that people think it's too much. And I, I am so, so I, I am so excited because as I, as we record this, I had, I saw a screening of Evil Dead Rise and mm -hmm. which is very fucking gory. Yeah. And and I am I am very excited about the return of gore. If, yeah. we, if we can't have if we can't have actual adult sex scenes, and goddamn it, we're gonna have gore. Yes, I, I'm all for it. Um, and I I feel like everyone has kind of figured out that you you have to have the mix. It can't all be CGI stuff. It just gore looks better real. It just does. Evil Dead Rise uses 1,100 gallons of fake blood. It looks dipped. It looks like they brought they brought blood by the gallon for for sure. Um, and I can't wait to see it. Um, so I uh, finally, uh, Sari is reunited with Dee Dee, who does not seem to be any worse for wear. Uh, we do learn that Cocaine Bear has two cubs who are also now addicted to cocaine. And um, this means that when they hear people rumbling outside, they try to go towards the back of the cave and they learn the back of the cave is the secret falls where Dee Dee was going the entire time. Aha! Script writing, everybody. And um, David, Sid, uh, Eddie, and Reba enter the den. They discover a loose a duffel bag of cocaine. Um, but that's not, Sid is not satisfied with just getting one. He wants everything. Uh, Reba says, I'm out. Sid wants to shoot her. David gets in the way. Again, this is, these are not, this is not adding stakes to this. I don't quite understand the need for this. They're trying to humanize David, but I don't think David is a monster. No, 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 no. So I, I don't know. He's an anti-hero at best. Yeah. So, um, you know, Sid follows the trail um, of cocaine and also comes out on the other end of Secret Falls to find a mom and two children. 
and a, another duffel bag of cocaine, which he orders Eddie and David to retrieve for him. And um, the the cubs are going crazy. Their whales basically summon cocaine bear mama, and she's on her way. Uh, and so the mom and kids jump off the, the waterfall into the river below. This leads a, a final confrontation between Eddie and his father, in which he says, listen, I didn't want to do this in the fucking first place. I'm out. You're on your own. And um, Sid tries to shoot them and the bear manages to uh, shoot David through the neck and or at least graze him and um, is left alone, cornered between a giant cocaine fueled bear and her two cocaine fueled cubs. And he somehow manages to get himself hung by his own duffel bag straps, disemboweled, and then have those cubs eat his entrails. I honestly hope that did he um did he make it into the uh in memoriam cut of this year's Oscars or would he be in next year's? I don't remember when he passed away. I believe he was in the in memoriam. Oh, so they they thing. didn't have that wasn't his that wasn't his final shot. <laughs> It's no. in memoriam shot being be, be disemboweled by a by bear cub. His in memoriam came after, so there's that. I I believe they they showed him via uh, good. Well, oh, fine, no. okay. Yeah, I, I guess if you have to if you have to have one film that defines you as an actor, uh, it, you know you could do worse than Goodfellas. Although it would have been great to have him disemboweled and and have his entrails eaten by bear cubs during that in memoriam. Um, it's Roxy Roker's kid plays piano. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, David is injured, but Sari actually saves his life because she's a nurse above all, and they did kind of protect her children. So they kind of leave, you know, on on good terms. And the fact that we're just going to walk away from this and nothing will be discussed about how we interacted with one another in this cocaine uh, fueled bear. Um, and you know, it turns out that Reba, uh, takes the dog and gives it to Eddie who is in love with this very frou-frou dog. Maybe this will help him with his grief. I mean, dogs are good for that. Uh, so that, uh, do you have anything else that you desperately need to discuss when it comes to cocaine bear? I mean, you've, you've basically explained the entire plot. I did. <laughs> you left, I took, you left nothing out. Uh, there's not that much. No, to it, no, no. It enough. is, it is, you know, it is just, it is a lot of fun. You know, if you, I don't want to yeah. say if you have low standards, cause that's, it's not that it, no. it's just, you know, if, no. if you, you know, if you take the stick out of your butt and just mm -hmm. enjoy a movie, you know, that doesn't have to be, you know, capital A art or capital I important. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a good time. You know, is it appropriate for, it's a movie for movie. kids? No, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty no. gruesome, but, yeah. but it's, it's silly. It's not cynical. It's, you know, I wouldn't put it at the same level. It's weird that I, as much as I enjoy this movie, I really don't like movies like Sharknado. Mm -hmm. But I, I, but, you know, this is what Sharknado is also a, just a poorly made movie. Where, yes. Whereas, you know, this yeah. is a well-made movie and well-acted. And the only draw to Sharknado is how bad it is. Whereas the draw to Cocaine Bear is to watch 
A-level talent deal with a B-level movie, you know, scenario, and it happens with a plum, and you have fun with it. That, that's what it comes down to. You're having fun with it, not making fun of it. And that's what Sharknado ends up be, becoming, or Santa Shark, which, Jesus Christ, if you want to pull, like, your brain out, you know, one curve at a time, watch Santa Shark. It is Jesus Christ terrible. <laughs> um, so that leaves us with choosing our do- our own death venture. And that's where we decide of uh, the deaths in this film. If we were to force ourselves to die in one of those ways, which one would we choose and why? Uh, up for bid, we have knock yourself out on the threshold of a plane and fall to your death. Uh, be torn apart by a cocaine bear, lose your left leg below the knee, uh, gutted while in tree, lose an arm, uh, shot through the back of the head because you step in front of a ranger with a gun, uh, get your head ripped off through the door, that's a bonus get bunked, uh, get lightly mauled, rescued by an ambulance, die with your face getting dragged across the road, uh, bitten through the back of the skull, hit tree, uh, defenestrate yourself through a windshield, uh, get shot in the gut by Ray Liotta in a wig. Um, face uh, gets ripped off by a bear or you're mauled by cocaine bear and both cubs. Your entrails dragged down of your body and eaten. Once again, if you're going to have somebody alive and witness be themselves being eaten, Ray Liotta is your number one go-to guy. Amen. Who will take his place? Amen. Uh, which one will you choose and why Gina Radcliffe? I mean, the, the, you know, the, the trying to jump out of an airplane, not that I ever would, but, but, you know, mm-hmm. the, the jumping out of an airplane and, and, you know, hitting my head and, and knocking myself out in the process that that's extremely on brand for me. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, the, the irony is if I was in a movie about a, a bear hopped up on cocaine, I, I probably wouldn't actually die via bear. I would I would I would right. I would get one of the 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 auxiliary deaths like the like getting hit in the head or accidentally shot or, you know, driving and, and you know, hitting a tree and going flying out the windshield. So I, any of any sure. of those three. Um, I would definitely end up getting shot through the back of the head just because my curiosity and leaning my head into a dangerous situation I did not know was dangerous. That says me that that is that feels familiar. So are you saying that that if you were I don't I don't remember what your um what your choose your own death venture was for prophecy, but was it in fact sticking your head out and getting it you know crunched off? I mean, that sounds like <laughs> I, I I think both of us chose that sleeping bag death just because it's so spectacular. That's true. That's, that's true. Yeah. That's my recollection. Yeah. We were just like, if you're going to die, being rocketed by a mutant bear in a sleeping bag and exploding Whee! in bloody feathers <laughs> is a way to go. <laughs> I mean, how that didn't end up on the choose your own death venture shirt, probably just because motion is hard to do. Yes. Convex. Yes. And I I think for whatever reason, people were very excited by cutting your own hand off from slugs. So that, that made it in there. Um choose your own death venture shirt, everybody. It's available for purchase. You should it's a very good looking it shirt. Is. You should buy it right now. Um, so you know, Josh Hollis does all of our uh podcast artwork, um, joshhollis.com, and of course, uh, revenge body memphis at bandcamp.com is where you can find this theme and all of the remixes. Gina, where can people find you 
on these here internets. I write about movies and television at thespool.net. Uh, by the time this goes live, I will have written about Evil Dead Rise, which is fucking amazing. Uh, I also write I also write about movies uh, on uh, a newsletter at Substack. That's GinaWatchesThings.substack.com. And for mm-hmm. however long it lasts, I am on Twitter under Gina Does Things. Do it today. People, check it out. You know, we're on all the socials, so you can find us there. we got a Facebook group. But more importantly, now more than ever, join us on Patreon where we're doing all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, we uh, have a chat by chat uh, that you can listen to. It's just us yakking. Uh, for an hour about things that we would normally yak about off air. We do it on air just because it's a fun thing to do. Uh, We do an extra bonus episode. So if you want more Animal Attacks April, we have a very funny, goofy, sweaty, uh, gin-soaked, giant snake movie called Spasms, which uh, several people get bitten by a giant snake, and then they just balloon up until they explode. That, that's what that movie is um, and uh, it's a good time for all of course at the end of the month we'll be talking about a Friday the 13th movie uh, that you can watch a Friday the 13th and hear us as a commentary track over it that, that's available to you right now at our patreon.com slash kill by kill but that does it for today uh, don't worry folks the body count will continue for myself and for Gina goodbye everybody bye